everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Bielinson Tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Here, as always, with my co-host and Hall of Famer, Steve Flink. We've made it. It is now, to timestamp this, Saturday morning. We are two days away from first ball. Hopefully the rain can stay away. I know there's some roof. We, we do have a roof, at least, so it won't all be for wash. But let's get that rain out of the way. I know they're having trouble finishing the qualies which is obviously very important to complete the draw. And obviously for the people who are trying to get themselves an $80,000 payday, basically, because if you make the main draw, even if you lose first round, um, you'll still make around $80,000, which is great. Steve, fourth Grand Slam of the year, the final one. Uh, it's in your home home state. You, uh, you, you ready to go? Oh, absolutely. I do my daily drive out there. It only takes about an hour each way. And uh, it's... Uh... It's it's close enough to be my hometown. Once was my hometown, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it immensely. Awesome. I I figure let's start with some like high level themes. Um, I'll throw out there for you just to hear your thoughts, and then we can go into some of the matches or some of the players specifically. Again, we don't like to project too forward because you, you know there's going to be some upsets, and we're going to uh, record again during the middle weekend, the Labor Day weekend. So we'll do a mid mid tournament recap as well. So. With that, I think, you know, everyone saw that classic match in Cincinnati between Carlos and Novak. Everyone's eager to see that final again. There's a lot of tennis that needs to be played before we get there. Um, the one player I think a lot of people have mentioned that can maybe, I don't know, spoil the party is Yannick Sinner. And Yannick is actually in Carlos Alcaraz's quarter. Yeah, and we all remember that it's just astonishing five setter a year ago that went into the through the night and into the wee small hours of the morning with with Carlos saving a match point pulling out the four sets still going down a break in the fifth and finally winning in five and then Carlos of course had already beaten Chilich from a breakdown in the fifth he beat Chiapo in five and went on to win the title over Casper Root but that match with Sinner was the pivotal match of the tournament and and it was the match of the tournament period Sinner did beat Carlos in Miami earlier this year when Carlos had some cramping issues and he and Carlos has said he sees him from his generation as his chief rival so I, I think we're lucky to get that as a quarterfinal and it'd be fascinating rematch of what, what we saw a year ago which was so extraordinary another uh interesting potential quarterfinal on the women's side of the draw is Coco Goff in Higas Viatek's quarter again this is the fourth slam in a row that they have been in each other's quarter obviously we know Coco just finally not only uh, won a set over Iga and what that was the eighth time they played but actually beat her um, just last week in Cincinnati so um, gonna be obviously Coco has a ton of confidence going in but to potentially have to play her in the quarter and then beat her again that's going to be a challenge not only for Coco but but you know for both players. Yeah, I look at that one a little differently, David, than the Sinner Alcaraz. I think Sinner Alcaraz in the quarters is fine because Yannick has not yet established himself quite yet in that top tier or top four. He's going to get there soon, I believe. But I think that's fitting and the fans will love it. I feel a little badly about Coco and Iga. I don't want to see either one go out in the quarters, and that's what's going to happen. One of them is going to be gone, as you pointed out. They've constantly been each, in each other's path at these majors. But Coco coming off the win over Iga the last time, winning two of her last three tournaments, wasn't quite enough to get her into top four status so that this could have been at the worst a semifinal. 
So the fans are in for a treat. We're going to lose somebody uh, very significant in that round. And I think it's going to be uh, likely go right down to the wire. Coco with the confidence coming off the last win. Ego looking to avenge that loss and reassert her supremacy. So, and the New York fans cheering Coco on. That's what I was going to say. Maybe a night match, Steve. Maybe a night match quarterfinal with Coco. It'll be a night match. I can't imagine it being anything else. The television will insist on it, and they should. And, yeah, no, the fan, and the Iga's going to have to be very composed and go in there realizing that treating this as if it's she's playing some kind of Fed Cup match, and that's going to be the atmosphere, and it's in New York, and just accept it. And Iga's very disciplined and, and determined, so I think she'll be okay. But I think it's more the boost that Coco could get. On the other hand, you've got to – you got to do more than just accept crowd support. You got to go out and produce, which Coco did the last time around. So I see this time around being a very hard fought three set match going either way. It, it, uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens in that encounter. Well, let's just hope, Steve, that we're talking about this match in more depth the next time we record yeah. next weekend. Yeah. So let's not jump the gun yet. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Let's hope. Let's hope we're talking about this matchup more in depth next weekend. The other person. I want to throw out on the on the women's side, and I want to hear your thoughts. I know we're both big fans of her, um, is Jessica Pagula. And she is yet to pass the quarterfinal of a slam. In her presser, I believe it was yesterday, someone said, hey, what does it have to take for you to get past a quarter of a slam? And she said, I got to win a quarter of a slam. I thought that was a good answer. Yeah. Um, funny, obviously. she's She's got a good personality. Um, is this the one, Steve? Is this the one? Yeah, listen, she was so close at Wimbledon, 4-1 in the final set, point for 5-1. She, you know, Von Drusova, she was so close to making it to the penultimate round, and she knows it. And she knows that 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 uh, this was a player who was on a roll, as we saw what happened on the, on the final Saturday. So she lost to the champion. I, I think, uh, yeah, I think this is the one, because, again, she had a great summer. She beat, she she had her tournament win up in Canada prior to Coco triumphing in since in Cincinnati. So uh, Jess picked up a lot of confidence. It didn't matter that she lost early in Cincinnati. She's feeling like she's playing great tennis right now. And I feel like, yeah, this is the ideal time for her to make that breakthrough. And I expect her to do so, even though the draw is not easy by any means. I think she, again, will have uh, enormous crowd support in New York. And the, the fans are going to be, they've become increasingly aware of her year after year as she established herself as a top three player, went down to four, came back to three. They, they know she's been right up there in the upper echelons of the sport. And they've come to have a lot of affection for her too, just the way they have for Coco. So I think Pugula, this, I think this could and should be the breakthrough for her to at least make it to a semi. And as uh, you kind of, previewed a couple episodes ago wouldn't it be something to have a pagula golf final in the u.s open it's noted that both of them are on opposite sides of the draw so it could possibly happen oh it's not inconceivable obviously they both got to play great to get there obviously the big hurdle for for coco conceivably would be the match with ego which is hard to imagine that it won't come off but yeah i mean again given given the summers that each of them had I still see that as as a real possibility, but let's see what we're saying uh, in uh, in our middle of the tournament podcast next weekend. And then I want to hear your thoughts on the uh, the trio. We've talked about them in a couple episodes now. Um, the U.S. men of Tommy Paul, Taylor Fritz, and Francis Tifo. I don't think I think we said it last episode. You had you had kind of given your analysis on each three of them uh, going into Cincy. 
how the results played out. And since he didn't really change your mind, but uh, Tommy, Paul, Taylor, Fritz, and Francis T- uh, TFO, I think Tommy has a wonderful opportunity here to, to make a run. He does. And they're all, all the guys you mentioned, they're all in the Djokovic half of the draw. They're in the bottom half of the draw. And, you know, Tiafo is seated 10th, Tommy Paul is seated 14th. And, of course, Taylor is the highest seat among the group at nine. And, I mean, yes, they're going to all have their chances. Taylor's got the, the toughest of the draws. He's in that section. It, it's, it's, we're, we're expecting to get a Sitsipas Djokovic quarterfinal. Uh, Fritz will be looking a way to push his way in there, but it's a tough section. But Tommy Paul, the, he's up there in the Casper Ruud territory and Tiafo is as well. So there is a real opportunity. And I would say of the two, I like Tommy's chances better than Francis's right now. However, I never underestimate, underestimate Francis, especially in the exhilarating setting in Arthur Ashe Stadium that he's come to love so much over the last few years, particularly last year when he came within one set of the final. I'm looking at Tommy's draw right now, and I'm thinking of third round match of, with uh, Davidovich Fakina, which would be um, there'd be a lot of highlights in that match. If Tommy were to get through that match, I don't think it's going to be easy at all. That's going to be a battle. Oh, it is. Yeah, Davidovich Fakina. He's a very explosive, fiery player, fiery personality, and and very dangerous. And when he's inspired, he can play top of the line tennis. And Tommy will know that going in. I just have to believe that. Over the course of a best of five set match, I, and, and and with a New York crowd that's going to tend to get under Davidovich Fokina's skin, not deliberately, they're just going to be cheering for his opponent. And uh, but uh, Davidovich Fokina could well take that a bit personally. So I I just feel that over best of five, Tommy with a slight edge there it might even go five. But I like his chances if the right. it comes off. Yep. Let's 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 look at uh, just a few matches on both the women's side and the men's side. We'll start with the women's. Um, one player that I think our listeners should try to take a look. I don't know if it'll be televised. It probably won't be, but, um, you know, Iga's at the top of the draw. The third player listed in the draw, her name is, um, Claire Vina Gunier. Her sister play is a very good college tennis player. Just recently graduated university of Kansas, my alma mater. Um, Claire V just won the Wimbledon. Um, she jumped one junior Wimbledon and she just won nationals out in San Diego. If she gets through her first round, which will be tough. She will then pl- most likely play Egan the second round. It would be a heck of an experience for her. But if you guys get a chance, whether it's on YouTube or tennis channel highlights, or whatever, check out Claire V. She works at uh, the Moritagalu uh, Tennis Academy. So I know Patrick works with her closely. Another person I want to ask Steve about, and I'm looking at her draw, and it's not that bad at all, is Jennifer Brady. She's in that top half with Ega, But to get to that match, it's not. Uh, inconceivable that she can play Iga later on in the tournament. We saw some flashes of her old great form over the summer. I mean, she's playing well. There's no doubt about it. She seems like she's very, she's kind of reacquired her, she's rediscovered her old game rather quickly. Rather quickly. Yeah. And and so she's going to be very inspired to play in New York at the Open. The memories of 2020 and playing Naomi, Naomi Osaka in that just top of the line, remarkable three set uh, semifinals. So she's she's got great memories of that, believes that she can reproduce that kind of magic and tennis. And let, let's see. I mean, we shouldn't ask too much of her this soon. On the other hand, I, I've just been shocked at how quickly she's looked like her old self. So uh, and again, the crowd's 
like her and she's in another of, of, of their American favorites. So let's see what she can do in this event. As a, as a previous guest and friend of the pod, we'll, we'll be pulling for Jen. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'm shocked at how well the level that she was playing right out, you know, right out of the shoot and, and just hopefully keep those injuries away. And let's see if she could, she can uh, make a little run here. We've talked about Coco. Um, nothing's really changed your mind as far as her confidence, her playing the addition of Brad, um, you're, you're all, all guns firing with Coco. You're hoping she makes a serious run at this thing. Oh, absolutely. To win DC, to win Cincinnati, she loses to Pagula in a hard fought match in between what more could she have asked of herself. So, and, and as we've discussed so many times during that span, seems like she's got sort of a, a changed demeanor, which could well be, uh, the influence of Brad Gilbert, but she just seems like a different person out in that court, not only a different player, but a different person in, in a very positive way. So no, nothing's changed my mind. I don't think she's going to feel undue pressure, David. Yeah. She knows a lot of people are talking about her, but she's ready for that. Now she's ready to embrace it and accept it. And, and she realizes she's playing right now, the best tennis of her career. So I, I feel like Coco Coco's going to be ready for this. She's going to deal with it. If you were in the camp of Ange Jabor right now, are you confident? Are you worried? She played one tournament since that really disheartening loss at Wimbledon. She did get to the semis in Cincy, I believe. She kind of like messed up her foot a little bit. Yeah. Um, she did not default. She got through it. She lost to Sablanka. Once she was, it was pretty much hobbled. She, it wasn't much of a match after that. But um, if you're in her camp right now, are you feeling pretty good? Are you still a little concerned? Um with with her mindset going into New York, yeah, much I think the latter, David. I mean, I if, if I'm in her camp and I'm her, I'm cautiously optimistic. She knows what she can do when she's at the peak of her power. She knows she has nice memories of a year ago when reaching the final, losing to Iga. She had a great tournament, following up on her Wimbledon final a year ago. Then goes back to the final of Wimbledon this year. So she feels like she's been knocking on the door. On the other hand, that was not great preparation. Part of it were the psychological wounds that. She didn't want to come back too soon after Wimbledon because she was so disappointed in, in her performance there and in losing a third major final. So, no, I'm only cautiously optimistic. She's going to try to harpen. She's going to try to sort of keep her mind focused more on what she did a year ago and how that was no accident to be in the final and she's going to get back there. But, no, I'm not – personally, I'm not optimistic. I'd be pleasantly surprised if she had a great Open. If she does, terrific. You know, maybe the fact that people – at this moment might not be expecting as much of her, but yeah, you, you have to have only cautious optimism if you're around her now, because you know that ideally she would have played at least one more tournament uh, to be fully ready for this. And, and maybe have something to show for it. Instead, the loss to Sabalenka, a slight injury. It's not great. I would have, I, I mean, we, you read my mind. I would have felt more comfortable, even if she didn't win it, but play one extra tournament before Cincinnati just to get a few more matches in again, probably more of an emotional, like needed to stay away a little bit longer, but yeah, I would have felt a lot better if she played two tournaments heading in and, you know, maybe getting to another semi, let's say, but um, the crowd loves her. The players love her. The fans love her. Everyone loves her. So hopefully she can shake off that disappointment and, and make another run in New York. And then the, the, the interesting um, final final pairing that I want to ask you about in the first round, Paula Bedosa versus Venus Williams. Um, I, I mean, it's going to be televised, I would assume, right? And I think a lot of eyes are going to be on that match. You, you have you have a, a thoughts on who gets through that one? 
that to me was the most that caught my eye more than any of the first round match as well. I mean, I like Bedosa's chances. I do think she's going to be apprehensive. I do think it's going to unnerve her a bit. She's a very high-strung player. I don't mean that too critically, but she's very intense out there. And and sometimes uh, under pressure, she's she's wielded a bit, but she's a great player. And obviously, on on paper, she wins the match. But Venus has been playing very well, and Venus again will have great crowd support and the, the memories of her of her triumphs in New York and. I feel like Venus might steal a set. That's how I look at it. I see Venus maybe steals a set. I still believe Bedosa wins the match, but it's going to be very competitive based on Venus's form and the fact that Bedosa is still not quite what, what she was a few years ago. She's not quite there. And, and we all know she's been in this relationship with Tsitsipas and who's to say how distracting that's been for her. She's put a lot of emotional energy into watching his matches and supporting him. So We'll see. Uh, but I do think she's going to be tight. And I think she's going to have to play her way through it and past it. And eventually, I think she will. But I see it going three. That's going to be a fun one to watch and see how that plays out. Okay, let's switch over to the to the men's side again. We talked about Carlos. But there's a first-round match that I think is interesting. And Sasha Zverev against Alex Vukic. And Zverev play, had a really good Cincinnati. Um, again, his results have kind of been a little bit um, not as consistent as Sasha would have liked, but he is playing well. But Vukic had a good summer. Now, I'm not going to pick Vukic to win that match, um, but I think it could be a lot closer than if, if people are just looking at the draw and you're going to automatically pen Zverev in for a win there. Um, I think Zverev is going to have to work to get through that first round match. Yeah, it's a tougher one than he might have wanted, Dave. I agree. It's not, I mean, ideally he would have liked to have played somebody that he felt that he could just go on automatic pilot and and win three, four, and three with a good serving performance and then gradually lift his game. He's going to feel like he'd better be in fourth round form in the first round. Uh, in a, and, and he's going to need to treat it very seriously. And I think that likely that goes four pretty tight sets. I still like Zarev to win it, but I don't think he's going to breeze through that by any means. He'll be tested and he expects to be tested. So, the thing that I think a lot, what I like about him, what I saw in Cincinnati and I hope continues is that he's found balance on his second serve. We always worried about the extremes he went to on his second serve. He was either just pushing it in painfully, sometimes double folding, not accelerating. It was just hard to watch it. Or he'd say, I'm going for a 135. I don't care. And sometimes he did a second serve ace and sometimes he double folded. I didn't like that type of formula at all. Now he's just, his bat, it, it looks so good in Cincinnati, a lot of depth and, and not going, you know, maybe a hundred miles an hour, nothing crazy. And the double falls have diminished greatly. And so I think as long as he's still in that state and, and, and over the summer, that's what I saw. Then I think he still wins, but he, there'll be some tight sets. There might be a tiebreaker or two. He's definitely going to have to work hard in that match. And I know, I know we mentioned the three, the, the top three U S men, Tommy, Paul, Taylor, Fritz, Francis, TFO. You've seen recently, um, a few days ago, John Isner announced this will be his last tournament. Remember when John came on the scene, you know, huge size, huge serve, did well that summer. I think he may have made the final of his first pro. I think Andy beat him in one of the warm-up yeah. tournaments. But I remember then in the open, I don't remember if it was the same summer, maybe a year or two later in the open, John beat Andy in a really entertaining close. Yeah, a couple of years later. Yeah, 09, 09. That was a five-setter. It was an incredible match. Yeah. Listen, he's been 
heading for this all year. His results have been so, so far inferior to what we saw from him in the past. And he's just not, hasn't been winning many matches and he hasn't looked like he believes in himself anymore. Maybe the serve is slightly less than what it once was. Who's to say, but I, I, I hope for his sake that he could, he could, you know, maybe go a few rounds. Uh, it's a wise decision. And he knows he's had a longer career than he could ever have envisioned. So <clears throat> it'll he's be still nice tired time. from that 70 68 match in Wimbledon, Steve. He's yeah, yeah. Over that one, so. yeah, exactly. Against Nicholas Mahout. No, I, I think uh, it, it, it's nice. It, the crowd will be aware of it. He's made the announcement. There's going to be that extra sentiment on his side. And I, I hope he can make it, uh, you know, a positive farewell and, and bow out, uh, you know, uh, on the best possible terms, either in a good performance and defeat in the first round or just keep going a couple of rounds. Be, uh, that's all a bonus to him right now. But I do think he made the right choice because the handwriting has been on the wall all season long. Another player that's unseated, and and I view this person as kind of like a, a floater in the jaw, and he's dangerous. Um, it still doesn't look right that he's unseated to me, and I know there's injuries, but um, interesting first round match: Matteo Berrettini, unseated Matteo Berrettini versus Ugo Umber. It's going to be an interesting match. I think Matteo, if he can work himself into this tournament, he can make a little run. I mean, yeah, Rublev is would be his potential third round match. But, I mean, Mateo's damn good. Yeah, and he's been looking to snap out of this. It's, it's been a hard road for him across this season, and this would be the ideal time to sort of start turning things around so that he can make be productive down the stretch of this toward the end of this season, right to the end of setup next year. Yeah, the Umbera match, a tricky opponent, uh, you know, that he – he won't have an easy time. If he can get by that, he can make a run here for sure. But I, I keep waiting for him. I keep thinking it's going to happen. He's had a few fleeting moments where he's looked like his old self. And I, I'd like to see it happen here. He's a great crowd pleaser. Let's face it. The, they, the audiences love him everywhere he competes uh, with good reason because he's such an explosive player. So I hope, I hope Mateo fares well at this open. I really do. Me too. And I want to ask your thoughts about Sebastian Corda. Again, his season started so promising uh, with his win over Medvedev as run in Australia. Um, injuries then have followed. The results have been inconsistent. He just pulled out of Winston-Salem. Um, yeah. He rolled his ankle. We're going to see how that uh, affects his performance in New York. He has a tough first round match. He plays Fuksovic's first round. And that guy is big and strong and dangerous opponent. Even if Sebastian was fully healthy that match is not going to be easy absolutely right and i don't i don't like the fact that another injury even if it ends up being a bit of a minor injury he's had it you know we saw him just start the year blazing match point against djokovic and adelaide in the final he loses a great match there quarters of the australian open he was really on a roll and you felt like this was going to be a big season and then he hurt his wrist and he was gone for so long and it hasn't been the same since. And then to have another injury right now on the heels of the Open. I, I, I agree. I mean, if, if he's not close to – if he's not somewhere between 80 and 90%, he loses that match, in, in my view. He's got to be really top of the line. That's a guy that's going to make him work very, very hard. He's a, real, t- he's a total professional, uh, Fusevich. So I, I, I think I'm not I'm – not, I'll be hoping for the best for Sebastian, but I don't like the fact that, you know, he'd beaten Gasquet in that three-set quarterfinal, and then he ends up defaulting out of that tournament. 
not not ideal to have to be worried about his ankle at this stage when he should be practicing hard. He'll probably have to lighten his practice sessions and get this thing treated and make sure the ankle is okay. But that's not what you want in the days leading up to a first-round match at the Open. Correct. Um, interesting first-round matchup here between Stefano Tsitsipas, Milos Raonic. Raonic has played very little, but you know how dangerous he could be. He beat Francis Tifo a couple tournaments ago. Tsitsipas has had two poor performances up to his standards the past U.S. Opens. You remember the great match with Carlos. I guess you could yeah. say that was almost Carlos' coming out party. Um, that was an incredible match two years ago. And then Steph lost early last year as well. He's looking to 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 make a run at this thing. Uh, not easy right out of the shoot for Steph. No, not at all. I mean, you're playing. So he, he, he liked to get your rhythm in the first round and hit a lot of balls and get in some long rallies. It's not going to happen. And, and, and Milos also has that slice back in. He'll mix things up. But the big thing is, can... Can Stefanos cope with Milos's serve? And if Milos is having a great serving day, likely there are going to be some tiebreakers. It's going to be a nerve-wracking match for Sitsabas, no doubt about it. I mean, he was pretty of all this of all this top eight seeds. I think in some ways he had the most unlucky draw to face Raonic, who's now sort of getting finding his bearings again. So I think that one could be very close, could go either way. But it, it's not. It's going to be no easy ride for. For our sits of us. And the last match I want to ask you about um, before I ask you for any other uh, uh, your thoughts before we wrap up is uh, Felix Ajir Aliassim versus Mackenzie McDonald. And Felix, I feel like we kind of group Felix and Sevi a lot together um, just because of the, the the ups and downs with injuries this year. Um, Felix versus Mackenzie, that should be a good one. Mackenzie beat Rafa um, in Australia the first slam of the year. Obviously, Rafa was um, not, not, not a hundred percent, but Mackenzie's had some pretty good results as of late. Um, how do you see that one going? The way that uh, the Felix of a year ago, I would have said, you know, no more, no worse than four sets to Felix. Right now, it's it's almost a toss up. I might even lean, believe it or not, slightly toward Mackenzie McDonald because I think Felix's confidence is he he's lost so much self belief and he's been in such a slump. And he can't fully explain it. He had his share of injuries. I get it. But, you know, again, I, I mean, that's the kind of guy that's going to make him work really hard. And Felix better have a, an extraordinary serving day if he wants to get out of that. Now, I, I think it, it's 50-50, but I almost, I almost go to McDonald based on recent form. Understood. Okay. Um, again, before I wrap up, and we're going to do this again over Labor Day weekend, uh, Let's get the rain out of the way. I don't know if you've looked at the forecast in the next seven days or not. Does the weather look pretty good? It looks pretty cool. It doesn't look like you're going to get any of that, like, Cincinnati brutal humidity no. that we had in the finals there. No, and mostly I'm seeing mid to maybe at worst the high, at, at top the high 70s, but 75, 6, 70, 77 degree days. Uh, I'm encouraged by the forecast. It's, it, that's what you want for the players. You don't want them. You don't want them in that 92 degree Cincinnati heat, which where you worry about their their health. So, yeah, the first week's weather looks good, which leads me to believe likelihood is the second won't get that much hotter. It usually doesn't work. I, I hope it doesn't work that way and that it can stay that way the whole tournament. But the first week forecast, all told, is not bad. Good. Um, anything else I missed before we before we wrap this one up? I know you're you're looking forward to getting out there. No, no, I just think the draw is pretty balanced, you know, and I and it's going to be the, we're eagerly anticipating that that potential quarterfinal with Carlos and Sinner and 
we're going to follow Novak's pro progress, and everybody's going to be hoping round by round that they keep winning, and we can get another, another classic, another epic out of those two. But uh, it still gets back to what you said at the beginning: it's the last major of the season. So, so these guys are looking at this as that this is their last chance to salvage something substantial out of the season. So, I think that always makes the Open; uh, it, it gives it that extra intensity. As the players, it's the end of the Grand Slam season. Uh, the, the rest of them are grouped pretty close together. But after this one, there's nothing to Australia. So this is where you want to leave it all on the court and, and get the job done. Well said. Well, uh, I'm ready. I know you're ready. I know you're even ready for this to be more of a distraction for you than the New York Yankees have been this season. You're <laughs> locked in on the tennis. Yankees have not been up to your standards and other people's standards. So you're all in on the U.S. Open these next two weeks. Enjoy it, everybody, and can't wait to do this again with you, Steve, next weekend. Yeah, back at you, David. I enjoyed it.